hello, and welcome to Dear Franny, the podcast of uncommon conversations about love. I'm your host, Francesca Hoagie. This is the 101st episode of the podcast, and it is also the final episode of season four. So season five will be coming to you in the next couple of months. So definitely make sure that you stay in touch with me. You can find me on the socials. I'm on Instagram at Dear Franny, on Twitter at Dear Franny, Clubhouse at Dear Franny, and that's Franny, F-R-A-N-N-Y, just like the name of the podcast. So, you know, make sure that you connect with me and that you are subscribed to the podcast. So when the new season is live, you will see it in your feed. So I mentioned briefly last week that for season five, I'm going to be returning to an interview format. So the last episode, it was a special episode for my 100th episode. And I had my friends Amari Ice and AC Brown join for a conversation about manifestation, which is what this whole season has been about. And it just really reminded me of how much I love doing interviews. You guys, you know, have been very patient with me just listening to me talk <laughs> for the last couple of seasons. Thank you for listening. I'm really, really grateful. And now I think it's time to bring in some new voices. So that's what we're going to do for season five. So be on the lookout for that. I'm excited about that. Oh, and I also am, I tweeted this the other day, I am manifesting interviewing Bono this fall about his new memoir that's coming out the day before my birthday. I feel like that's a birthday gift for me. So um, yeah, if Bono's out there, this is a moonshot, as they say. But you know what? I'm a manifester. Actually, quick story. So the first thing that I ever remember manifesting was when I was 17 years old, and I didn't know the word manifest then, right? So it's only looking back now that I can see this. And I'm a very big U2 fan. And I've been a U2 fan since I was 12 years old. And when I was 12 years old, that was when the Joshua Tree came out. And that album just deeply touched me. And I went and like, you know, became a huge U2 fan, like got all of their earlier albums, everything, every single, every LP. And ever since I was old enough, which was starting at the age of 17, I have been to every U2 tour multiple times. But my second U2 show was in August of 1992 at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. And some of you who know me know that I'm from the Bronx. And in fact, I grew up in the neighborhood of Yankee Stadium, that Yankee Stadium is my subway stop. And the apartment that I grew up in, where my mom still lives, we live on a high floor. And I've been looking at Yankee Stadium out of my window for my entire life, right? So when I found out that U2 was going to be playing at Yankee Stadium, it was like, what? Yankee Stadium doesn't even normally have concerts. So it was unusual thing to even be having a concert. And I just, I was beside myself. I was so excited. And so I managed to get tickets for the second night. And I just decided two things. I decided that I wanted to meet Bono. And I decided that I wanted to find a ticket for a better seat on the ground. Okay. So this was the 90s. back in the paper ticket days. And I was going to the show with two of my friends. We're walking down to the stadium and I'm just like, hey, you know, just so you know, I'm going to find a ticket. I wanted a floor seat. I was like, I'm going to find a floor seat. And they were like, okay, all right, whatever. And guess what, guys? I found one. 
I literally found one and I left my friends and I went and I stood and I danced and I sang on the floor of Yankee Stadium. I remember just being so sure. I don't know where I got this idea in my head that I could just find a ticket on the ground, but I got that idea and I held on to it and it happened. And so remember my second thing that I wanted to manifest was meeting Bono. And (laughs) oh gosh, maybe I shouldn't tell this story because I'm trying to get him on the show and I don't want him to think I'm a total crazy person. I'm actually really proud of this though, because this was ingenious. I don't know where I got this idea either. 17. So, you know, got to give me a break. But I knew that the band was staying somewhere in Midtown Manhattan. And I, this was back in like the phone book days. And so I just called every kind of big hotel or like fancy hotel in Midtown. And I asked for their tour manager who since passed away, RIP, Paul McGinnis. I knew the name of their tour manager because I was a super fan, right? I'd been a super fan for like five years at that point. I would call hotels and just ask for him. And everyone's like, no, we don't have anybody here by that name. And then finally I called a hotel and I asked for him and they connected me to his room. So I immediately hung up, but I was like, okay, this is where they're staying. Holy shit. I can't believe I figured this out, but this is where they're staying. So after the show, I meet back up with my friends, Reagan and Anne, and we get on the subway. We go downtown to the hotel, which the hotel was at the time called the Riga Royale. And it's on like West 55th Street. It's not a Riga Royal anymore, but it is still a hotel. We get there and there's like a little crowd of fans. And I was like, holy shit, like this is happening. Like this is like really happening. Like I really found the hotel. I was so proud of myself. And so we go and they've like roped it off. You know, we're standing there and not even for long. I mean, I just feel like it was like two minutes later, the band like starts coming in, Bono and everyone kind of waves. Like I remember like Edge waved, Adam waved. They all waved. Larry waved and Bono like kind of came over and he was signing some things. And I had a YouTube baseball hat. I had my hat and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Like Bono was standing in front of me. I hand him my hat and he takes it and he starts to sign it. And then he like does a double take and he looks at me and he says, you're beautiful. And I was like, thank you. (laughs) And then he signed my hat and he drew a heart on it and he gave it back to me. And I was so overcome with emotion that I distinctly remember like afterwards just having like the worst stomach ache for like the rest of the night because I was just so like worked up. But all of this is to say (laughs) that this is related because the first thing that I ever manifested was U2 related. Anyway, on to the topic of today's episode, which is the three biggest misconceptions about manifestation. It's interesting, as I've been recording this season, you know, over this past few months, by talking so much about manifestation, you know, doing it here in the podcast, doing it on Clubhouse, doing it with my clients, writing about it, reading about it, thinking about it, I'm on this process or in this process that I believe and I hope and I expect will be ever evolving for the rest of my life. And so I I just like keep on getting more deeper understandings, more ahas, more epiphanies, more puzzle pieces coming together. And I wanted to do for the final episode of the season, I didn't want to just do a recap. I wanted to make this really useful for you all. So I wanted to share these biggest 
misconceptions. And these are all misconceptions that I've come to or I recognize as a result really been crystallized in the last couple of months. So I don't know that I would have said what I'm going to say today at the beginning of the season, but I love that I'm saying it now. (laughs) I love the evolution. I love the process. I'm very grateful to be someone for whom I enjoy the journey, right? So I'm just like, all right, universe, here we go. What's my next assignment? Okay. So here's number one. And I see this a lot. And I definitely fell victim to this misconception for a long time. So this comes from deep within me. Number one misconception is that you can use manifestation as a way to bypass internal change, right? So if you are, I'll use an example from my own life. For a long time, I had patterns in relationships and dating that they did not serve me. I was not succeeding in manifesting what I actually wanted, right? Some of you can relate to this. And I, at the time where I was the most stuck was the time that I was the most focused on trying to change external things, right? Like, okay, how can I meet a different kind of guy? Or like, how can I be different? So when I show up, this doesn't happen or that doesn't happen. And it didn't really work, right? It's like, because fact of the matter was the things that were actually blocking me from opening myself up to receive the love that I really wanted, that was all an inside job, right? So I had to look at the ways in which I wasn't able to love myself, right? Because if you don't truly love yourself, then you're not going to allow yourself to receive love from other people. And I know we all think that we will. And we think that somebody falling in love with you is going to be like the cure to all of your loneliness and your pain. And you're going to live happily ever after because that's the fantasy that the fairy tale industrial complex has been selling all of us our whole lives. But the reality is that on a subconscious level, we are not going to let more love in than we have capacity for. We're just not. It's going to feel too uncomfortable. We're going to push that person away. We're going to run away from it. We're going to sabotage it. And so when people say, you know, you can't love another person unless you love yourself first, that is not true. We can love other people. Loving other people is not typically the problem. Typically the challenge is how do we let other people love us, right? And see us for who we are, right? How do we get comfortable with the vulnerability that that requires and the bravery that that requires and the self-awareness that it requires to even know who you are, right? Because sometimes in life, we have so much habit, so much conditioning and so many habitual ways of conforming to other people's expectations. And we're so influenced by other people's expectations, whether it's on a big societal level or in our interpersonal relationships, that sometimes you need to take some time to parse out who you really are and what you've taken on from other people. That requires a level of self-awareness because if we're not able to start to look at ourselves in that way, then we can't disentangle all of that. Because once you do disentangle all of that, then you can start to see the ways in which, oh, wait a second, this isn't about you know making sure that I only date XYZ kind of person and think that that's going to protect me from ever being disappointed. This is about me getting to a place where the only people that I'm even attracted to are people who are capable of loving me to the extent that I can love myself, right? And so it's always about understanding that if we want change on the outside, we have to be willing to change ourselves on the inside to become the person 
who has that outer thing, right? So it's like the outer thing, the relationship, the career, the money, the fitness, the fill in the blank. The person who has that, what are the inner circumstances, the inner beliefs, the mindset, the inner orientation that makes all of those things inevitable, right? Because that's what we really are doing. It's not that we're using manifestation as a magic wand. So now we don't have to grow. We are here to grow. We are here to evolve, right? We have evolved as a species thus far. This isn't the end, right? So there is a spiritual evolution that is continuing to take place. And that's what we're all here to do. And that change is never going to feel easy because we always want the safety and the comfort of what we know. But when you are stepping into a place of manifesting, you are moving beyond what you know. You're moving beyond what your circumstances may have dictated up until now, and you're stepping into a realm of possibility. So that requires having that inner bravery, that faith in order to do that. So if there's anything that you've really been struggling with, anything that you have been wanting to manifest and really struggling with, I encourage you to start to do a little bit of reverse engineering right? And see where this situation is showing up, all the ways the situation is showing up that are actually opportunities for you to learn something and for you to grow a little bit more. I had to have my heart broken, quote unquote, have my heart broken. I don't see it that way anymore, but that's how I characterized it at the time and for years, but I don't see it that way anymore. I see now that everything that happened needed to happen. It was all divine. That was a decision for me to say, oh, wait, okay, what are the ways in which I need to grow now, right? And even going from a place of thinking like, oh my God, I'm so heartbroken and this is the worst thing that ever happened to me into a place of, well, okay, I'm sad and my feelings are hurt and I miss this person and this is a big paradigm shift, but I'm also going to be okay. That was growth for me to go from my life is ruined to like, oh, actually I'm going to be okay. And I can appreciate the beauty of that relationship And I can take all the lessons that I learned in that relationship and I can go and I can move forward and I can have other relationships, right, that are also beautiful. So that required a level of growth. So I just encourage you to look at where can I grow a little bit more inside of myself. And by focusing on that, then you'll see the outer circumstances changing a lot, a lot faster. So that's number one. Manifestation is not a tool to bypass internal change, internal growth, internal awareness. That doesn't work. Number two, there's this misconception that you need to like, quote unquote, hedge when you're manifesting or saying what you're going to manifest. Otherwise, you're, you know, quote, delusional, right? I saw this on Twitter today. Someone that I follow tweeted, in six months, I will be financially stable. And I was like, well, why did you decide it has to be six months? Why did you have to decide that this is a future you, right? Because I understand that it can feel very delusional to claim an identity or a circumstance that doesn't match your like outer circumstances, right? But when you think about manifestation, again, we are talking about stepping into beyond the constraints of what you see and think is possible. You're stepping into, you are releasing control of how you're going to figure out every outcome and you are surrendering that to the universe, to God, to spirit, to creator, to the all, whatever you call it, right? Whatever resonates with you. And 
And so there's how you self-identify is incredibly important because you can either manifest from your conditioned self, right? So that's the ego. That's everything that's happened to us, all the story that we've taken in from family, from our experiences, from trauma, from everything, the collective. That's the conditioned self. That's the human self. And we are actually not just the human self, we're also our spirit, right? Our spirit selves. And so that spirit self, that is the true self, right? And so that is the self that is your consciousness that doesn't sleep, that doesn't have trauma, that doesn't have fear. And when you are manifesting from that place, you're manifesting from your power, from your connection to source. And this is when you are in that place and you're connected to your true self, this is who is making the statement that you have the love that you want, because this is the one who is creating that reality, right? It can be very uncomfortable, but if you say things like, I'll be rich one day, you know, I'm manifesting being rich one day, I'm manifesting having a great relationship one day, then you are identifying as a person who doesn't have the thing that you want. And if that's your identity, then your ego is just always going to seek to reinforce that identity. So that's why it's very important. There's It's on a psychological level and also on a spiritual level to start to claim what you want and understand that the circumstances in your life today, right now, they are the effects of past causes. If, for instance, you've made questionable money decisions your whole life, then probably your finances are, the circumstances of your finances today are probably pretty messy, but that's not who you are. So if you want to create a new future, then you have to start to change your identification today. That is the power of cause and effect, which is a basic law of the universe. And this is also a spiritual law of the universe, right? So Melinda Havgard, who's a spiritual teacher who I follow on Clubhouse, I love her. She has a club called Red Circle Club. I highly recommend it. You know, she talks about this a lot, which is being causal in one's own life. And so you do that by intention and you do that by setting an intention to have and to embody what it is that you want. And so like for me, setting the intention of living in alignment with my true nature and purpose is a really powerful intention because it activates a part of me that is my true nature that then guides me and lets me know what to do. We just want to make sure that you are identifying with the reality that you are seeking to create. When they say energy flows where attention goes, it's like that. If you're focusing on being broke and managing the circumstances of being broke, it doesn't mean you don't actually do what you need to do, but it's the difference between identifying as I'm a broke person versus at this moment, this is how much there's in my bank account, but that's not who I am. Who I am is a financially abundant person. I think of it like liquidating assets. Like imagine like you had millions and millions of dollars and they were tied up in some assets and you're like waiting for your assets to liquidate. You're not like, I'm broke. You're like, I am a very wealthy person. I'm just waiting for this transfer to come through, right? It's just a way of understanding that circumstances change. And by over-identifying with them, you give them more power over now dictating your future because you're constantly orienting yourself from things that you don't want. I hope that 
this all makes sense and inspires you to be a little bit more intentional and willful in claiming what you want and not hedging. And then the third biggest manifestation misconception that I see is that you have to feel worthy and you have to feel healed in order to manifest. You do not have to feel worthy in order to manifest. You do not have to have high self-worth in order to manifest. Look at the world. I mean, a very easy way to look at this is looking at like celebrity culture, looking at famous people who manifest tremendous careers, tremendous amounts of money, accomplishments, relationships. The issue is not that they don't have any self-worth issues. In many instances, they have deep self-worth issues. And for some people, because whether your challenges with self-worth, because they're all coming from the ego, right? Whether you have high ego of saying like, I've got to be better than everybody and I'm going to make the most money and be the most successful and that's going to show them, which motivates a lot of people or they have low ego, right? And they say, oh, you know, you know, I'm not worthy of having anything or only way that anybody will ever love me is if I make money. So I have to like succeed at this thing in order to, you know, to get love. That motivates people. There are plenty of people who manifest a lot of things from those places. It's not just about self-worth. Now, when you're manifesting from your ego, whatever it is that you're manifesting is never going to be fulfilling to you, right? So for people who are manifesting money, in order to try to feel better than everyone else, there'll never be enough money. That's a never ending game. Manifesting from ego harms you because you're not manifesting from your true self. You're manifesting from your conditioned self, from trauma, from past, you know, all sorts of things. You don't want to manifest from ego, but you can, right? So that right there shows you that manifestation is not about feeling worthy. And it's not about feeling like healed and that you don't have any wounds or past trauma because you've manifested tremendous things with whatever level of whatever's happened in your past and whatever level of self-worth you have and have had up until now. And so have a lot of other people. Now, self-worth matters to us. It matters greatly to our conditioned self because it will limit our happiness. It will limit our ability to receive, right? If we don't truly feel worthy. So I'm not saying that self-worth doesn't matter, but I do see a lot of people that get so stuck on, I need to wait until I feel worthy in order to manifest. Like, you know, and they're on this journey, which again, it's about that self-identification. If you're identifying as this person who can't feel worthy and it's all about healing the fact that you can't feel worthy, then you're seeing yourself as somebody who is lacking in some way. Like you've got this challenge from your conditioned self that is stronger and more powerful than your true self. And your true self is stronger and more powerful than your conditioned self, period. Because your true self is connected to source, to spirit, to the infinite. We don't have anything to do with that. And so if you believe in the power of the universe, of the creator, the all, whatever you call it, of God, whatever name resonates for you. If you believe in that power, then you also have to understand that that power is within you. You are connected to that. That's how we manifest. The less we can separate our ego, right, from our motivation to activate that, and the more that we can access our true self without all of that ego filter, 
that's when we manifest more powerfully and we manifest things that are fulfilling to us. So I want everyone to feel worthy because you are, you were born worthy. And again, if you believe in a creator, do you believe in a creator who created you unworthy? Why would that be? If you think of a newborn baby, think of newborn babies all around the world, which one of them are unworthy? Which one of them are unworthy of love, of good health, of abundance, of safety, of creativity, of intimacy? Which one is unworthy? So you were that newborn baby once. We all were. So we have to understand and accept that it is our human conditioned self that holds on to all of the story and all of the conditioning that separates us from the truth of who we are. But when you were born, babies don't have self-worth issues, right? And so we have to make a choice because that outer quote unquote evidence and conditioning is so powerful and it can be so overwhelming. This is why, you know, we need help with this sometimes. Different people need varying degrees of help to start to be less overwhelmed by what's going on so you can start to tap in a little bit more and be a little bit more present. I'm not saying that this is like snap your fingers and it's done, but I am saying that it's possible for everybody, even if you have a different path to it. Because I don't believe in a universe where some of us were created to manifest others of us weren't. It's like, no, no, no. There's just something about you that just disqualifies you. The universe doesn't work that way. It's neutral. Doesn't care about how you feel about yourself, but you should care. It makes your life so much better. So there does need to be a baseline of self-worth to even believe that you deserve to have more because otherwise you won't even take the step. You won't ever go on this journey. But just know if you're feeling stuck because you don't feel totally worthy, let go of the story that you can't manifest because you actually can't <laughs> unless you decide that you can't. And also here's my tip about self-worth in case you've never heard me talk about this before. It's part of my self-love formula, which I've talked about many times in many places, including here on the podcast. But with self-worth, first of all, you have to start with self-compassion, which is just giving yourself a break, releasing any judgment, releasing any self-criticism, just taking a breath and just choosing in that moment to give yourself a break, just to be kind and let it go, right? So once you do that, then you can ask yourself, if I truly felt worthy, if I truly believed I was worthy of having love, financial abundance, an amazing career, a great fulfilling relationship with my body, whatever it is, if I truly believed I was worthy, what might I do now? And have it be a question that you ask with self-compassionate curiosity. Just ask yourself, what might I do now? And maybe the answer is, I don't know what I would do, but I know what I normally do is fill in the blank. And maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe that's a place to start. Maybe I should say no. Maybe I should take a walk around the block. Let it be an inquiry. You're not looking for a perfect answer, but you are looking to start to trust your own inner wisdom to guide you. Because remember, you were born knowing that you were worthy. You were born completely connected to your true self. So that's who you are. That is within you. That's within all of us. We have to just start to train our attention to be able to connect to that self. But it has so much wisdom for you. 
It's the only way that we can really know what's right for us is if we listen to who we really are and not to who the world has told us we are. It's very important. This kind of comes full circle back to the first misconception that I talked about here, which was that you can use manifestation to bypass making internal change. You know, the change is really in what is your default orientation for how you view yourself, how you view the world, how you view your life. Are you, like most people, myself included, is your orientation your conditioned self or is your orientation your true self? That's why, you know, I mentioned this intention that I set for myself to live in alignment with my true nature and purpose has been so powerful because it's a way for me to train myself to more and more and more make my choices and be guided from my true nature rather than my conditioned self. So the conditioned self has been the default setting for a long time. So it takes some work to switch the default, but you can do it and I'm doing it. (laughs) It absolutely can be done, but it does take some will. So it does take a decision to be vigilant and to continue to reaffirm that intention and to continue to make that choice to switch that orientation. And, you know, that can be difficult. So if you're ready to do that, then, you know, it's time to start to look at the things in your life, the ways that you're showing up, your habits, your self-care, your boundaries, you know, look at all of the things that need to change in order for you to have the life that you want. And then look within yourself to start to see where you need to grow and where you need to evolve so that those outer changes become an inevitable outcome. It's just a natural reflection of what is going on internally. So it just continues to be an inside job. There's no way around it. I tried for years, (laughs) y'all. I tried, I tried, I tried to bypass. It just doesn't work. But what's really great news is that it does work when you shift your inner orientation. And that is what I encourage you to do. All right. I feel like this was a wide ranging episode and I really thank you for still listening to it. (laughs) I wonder how many people I lost on my rambling story at the top of the show, but I love that story. And oh, by the way, I still have my U2 hat signed by Bono. It has been in the same Ziploc bag in my bedroom in the Bronx since that day. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Anyway, If Bono comes on the podcast, I will not tell this whole story because I just want to hear him talk. One of the reasons I'm so psyched that he has a memoir coming out is because there's an audio book. And I'm like, I get to hear Bono read his whole book to me like whenever I want. And that is just awesome. That's going to be great. But I wanted to mention that you know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this journey that I am on, this manifestation journey that I've been on for, gosh, what year is it? (laughs) It's been 18 years, 17 years. And uh, I mean, I was not diligently on this manifestation path until a couple of years ago. But, you know, it it is something that I have always kind of dipped back into and been like, oh, wait a second, I can manifest that, right? As I've gone deeper into everything, I have just realized like how much I love helping people manifest more. And um, we mentioned in the last episode that AC and Amari and I are going to be doing a second cohort of our manifestation mentorship. So reach out to me if you're interested in details about that. But what it is, is it's a six month small group 
and we meet on Zoom every other week. And everyone in the group chooses their primary manifestation goals that they want to work on. And that's what we do. So we coach you, the three of us coach you each call, and uh, we give you some heart work to do on your own between the calls. And it's just been amazing. I look forward to them so much. And I don't even like Zoom, but I love being on those Zooms. So reach out to me at Dear Franny on Instagram. And if you're interested in getting some more details about that, and also I am doing, I am offering some one-on-one manifestation sessions. So if you wanted to do a one, I was going to say it's one hour. It might be a little bit longer than that. It's on my calendar though. So again, if you go to my Instagram bio or my Twitter bio, if you click on the link, you'll be able to access my calendar to book one of those manifestation sessions if you would like. I can help you to get to the heart of what's going on with whatever it is that you're in the journey of manifesting and um, help you shortcut that process. Yeah, reach out if that's interesting. All right, as always, so, so grateful to you for listening and taking the time. For those of you who have listened to all four seasons of this podcast, I am especially grateful to you for sticking with me and being patient with me because I know like this season, for instance, I, I totally went missing, which I'd never done before, but it was an extra crazy year. And thank you for being understanding about that and to coming back to the show. I promise I'm not disappearing. Season five will be coming shortly. So be on the lookout for that. And in the meantime, feel free to catch up on past episodes, share the show with anyone you think might benefit from it and um, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. I love reading your reviews. And if you don't want to take the time to write a review, I understand, but you can also just tap five stars. You could just give me a five-star rating. Um, So I'm very proud of our five-star ratings for this podcast. Oh, and by the way, I also want to give a shout out to Bex Carlos, who is my podcast editor. And she has been the editor of Dear Franny from the very beginning. And she is amazing. I just want to say thank you, Bex, because if not for Bex, we wouldn't have a podcast because um, I had a podcast before this one that I hosted with my friend Saskia called Romantical. And we did 10 episodes. It was fun. It was a fun podcast. We did 10 episodes of that show and I edited every episode and it took me, I mean, I probably spent seven, eight hours editing each episode of that show. And after that, I was like, nope, can't do this. (laughs) This is not my zone of genius. And I cannot have a podcast if I have to edit there are people who can do this way faster and way better than me. And Bex is one of those people. So very grateful to her because yeah, she's edited every episode of the show. All right. Also want to shout out Celeste. She is talker Celeste on socials and she's helped me a lot with social stuff, but she's an amazing musician and performer and everybody should buy her music. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening and wherever you are in the world, I hope that you are safe and know that you are loved and I hope that you have a good night or day or morning or what have you. And I will be back for season five coming soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And until next time.